Good Church on the Rock. Woo, we should have to do that again, but we're going to do it anyway. Hey, my name is Rashad. I am a, a pastor here at Church on the Rock. Um, I am grateful to see everybody who's here, especially like, you know, with everything going on. Um, and the, just so you guys know, the 8 a.m. service is also, be praying for them. It's going so well. And um, it's like, it's more of a Bible study right now. So if you're interested and you're willing to wear a mask and willing to socially distance, distance um, it's become like this deep Bible study that's actually preparing more and more uh, when I get ready to preach to you guys. So you need to thank them if we go really deep here, all right? And if I'm long-winded, blame it on them too, all right? All right, so uh, we do the good morning, Church of Rock. Good morning, Rashad, just to make sure that you are here. Are you covering his ears? Okay, okay, okay. Because every time I see the babies, I'm like, oh, I got to do it anyway because I'm like legalistic in that area. So <laughs> I, I don't have a choice. So real quick so that Elias can get in. Happy birthday, Elias, you know. <laughs> good morning, Church on the Rock. And they're ruthless. Like, I thought everybody was going to be like, good morning, Rashad. They're like, ah, he, he's part of the family. He'll have to just grow into it. So, look, um, we are going to finish Romans 3 today, Lord willing. Well, I'm almost positive we will be able to finish Romans 3 today. And you should be happy because Romans 1, 1 took like a month. We're about to finish a whole chapter in a month. I am speeding up, all right? Um, let me give some context, though, on how we got to where we're at today. And that's the part where you guys kind of check out, but pay attention, pay attention. So we start off Romans 3 in the first eight verses simply saying, is there any benefit to being a Jew or being circumcised or in our context growing up in the church, growing up in a Christian home? And we said, yes, because you are... Um, you have access to the oracles or the promises of God, and it's these promises of God that kind of give you the details on how to get right with Jesus and the fact that you can't get right on your own and all those details that come with the promises of God. So we looked at the good promises, but also the quote-unquote bad promises that say if you don't believe in Jesus, you go to hell. Like, that's still a promise, right? But then um, the question that, that birthed out of that in the text in verse 9, Paul says, well, if we have access to this as Jews or access to the oracles of God, being those who are circumcised or even the church folks, are we better in here than them out there? And there's actually people out there. I'm sorry, y'all. I'm not talking about y'all, but I'm talking, well, I'm talking about y'all too. Are we better than them out there? So just imagine that, <laughs> I'm sorry, imagine that Luke and Sam out there are like Gentiles and we're all Jews and we all have like access to the scriptures and the oracles. And so the question was, are we better than them sitting out there because we have this in here? And he says, no, we've already determined that everybody, Jew, Gentile, inside the garage, outside the garage, everybody is um, under sin. And so then last week we talked about how um, the big question becomes, well then, well, then if nobody can get right with God, how do you get right with God? Like you've told me all these reasons of how nobody can get right with God, so then how do you get right with God? And last week we spoke on um, that the righteousness of God's been revealed, um, it's been reported in the Old Testament, it's been revealed in Christ, it's been, um, it's, it's not reachable by man, you can't attain it, but you can receive it through Jesus Christ. And that was the but now moment, right? Like, you're a sinner, you're a sinner, you're a sinner, you're a sinner, 
But now the righteousness of God has been revealed, it's been shown, it's been made clear, it's through Christ. So the natural question that comes next is, okay, but how? Now, before we move into that, I want to say something up front. Might rub you a little wrong, that's okay, you'll get over it. Um, We don't teach the way we teach here so that you can be smart and just knowledgeable of the Bible. Um, we, we try not to do the cookie-cutter messages. We try not to do the simple, seeker-friendly messages. We don't try to tickle your ears. It's not all, you know, Candyland sugar drops and I don't even know, like, gumdrops and all that stuff. We don't, we teach tough. We teach the Bible. First reason is because the gathering of saints is supposed to be for equipping the saints first and foremost. We still share the gospel every single week we share the gospel, but I'm trying to equip the saints that are in this room. But here's what I'm trying to equip the saints to do, the work of the ministry, right? And so if you're just sitting here and you're just feeding and you feed every Sunday and you know a whole lot more stuff about the Bible and you know like words that you didn't know before and then you go out and not only does nothing change in your life, but you don't share any of this with anybody, what are you doing here? Like just for real, just honestly, what are you doing here? What like? Are you just wanting to fill up just so you know more, just to sit down? Uh, God doesn't reveal himself or save you to sit. He saves you to serve. He saves you to show you to others. And so when you just sit here week after week eating all this knowledge, just eating all this knowledge, you just get puffed up, like here and here, right? <laughs> like you're just, you're just obese in knowledge when you're supposed to be working out the things that are worked in. So... I know it seems like we're going over the same stuff over and over and over sometimes, especially when you're like working, you know, especially when you're going verse by verse through the Bible. (laughs) But the question is, right now, you don't have to raise your hands, um, but I ask it every so often. Who are you actively pursuing for Christ and discipling? And many of you, if you're being honest, you're not. You're just not. You don't have time. You don't care. It's not important. What's important is that you learn more so that you have a better understanding, but it's not important that you share that understanding with anybody or grow anybody around you. And so think about this question really quick. Who, if I ask you, can I pray for someone in your life right now, that's not even in in your immediate household, who are you pursuing for the kingdom? Who are you actively discipling and teaching how to make disciples? Who are you, who are, not inviting to church, inviting to your house, inviting to your life, who are you honestly loving, sacrificially, and leading to Christ? I'm telling you, I don't have to see the hands. 90% of you aren't doing anything, but you come here and you eat. For what? What what are we eating for? I don't want to be the most biblical knowledge church. I don't want to be the church that has the greatest doctrine in the community. I want, I want to be the church family that is reaching people for Christ at all costs, at the cost of everything. Not even bringing people back here to be baptized, but baptizing them themselves because the Bible says, go, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them. It didn't say the pastor baptizes them, the church baptizes them. Like, I, I want us out and, and about, and this is great to get equipped but not to sit. And so if you're, if, if you're tired of learning about the basics of the gospel, let me teach you why I'm doing it. 
many of you say, well, I would, but I don't know what to say. So we try to keep it simple. Hey, you are a sinner who needs a savior. His name is Jesus. Without Jesus, there's two, uh, there's, there's two options here. There's eternal death or hell. There's eternal life or heaven in the presence of, of God, right? And the only way there is Jesus, and we teach it as simple and in as many ways as possible so that you can teach it. But many people say, okay, but then somebody will ask a question, well, how does that work? Well, that's what we're going to teach today, like some, some of the but how, right? But it's not so that you are just a genius of the Bible. It's so that you have actual motivation to go out and do something with that. And that goes from the teenager to the adult. Like this is to be used, Right? And when, and when you don't use it, you're abusing it. You have, this, you have this privilege. You have this access to him. He's revealed himself to you, and you do nothing with it. And so um, that's why we teach the way we teach, so that you're, you're growing. And I see many of you growing in knowledge. I see a lot of us growing in knowledge, but the purpose is to grow in obedience. And there's a command that says, go make disciples, and a lot of us are ignoring that command. We ignore it, and we have all these reasons, personalities and not confident and all of that. Well, that's, that's what Sunday does. It's supposed to make you confident to do that because you don't have to be a scholar to share the gospel. You don't have to be a, sh- a scholar to share the gospel. So if, if, you get, if you're tired of hearing about sin and love and God and discipleship, you might want to go to another church. And I say that like in love because until we do it, I'm going to keep talking about it. I'm just going to be real. Like until we do it, I'm going to keep talking about it because that's how the kingdom grows. I don't care about the church building growing. That, 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 that becomes a my kingdom thing, right? I'm not worried about my kingdom. I don't care if the people you're discipling never make their way to church on the rock. That's not the point. I care that they make their way, they make their way to Jesus. So everything we do is to point towards him. Everything we do here is to point towards him. And, and I would pray every church in this community, everything they do, whether you have a lot of lights or a little lights, whether you have a big choir and worship it or a little choir and worship band, whether it's one singer, many singers, everything is just to point to him. Everything. And, and so that includes you. That includes you. Our prayer is that when you go outside this garage door and back into your life, You are looking at the way you live, the way you walk, the way you talk, the way you do everything you do to point people back to Jesus Christ. I haven't even gotten to the text yet. This is bad. This is really bad. But but you have to hear my heart on this. We, We cannot be satisfied with learning. We have to start living. And and at some point, if we're not, we gotta start asking questions. And you do, you do the same thing. Every time I get to this point, you're like, oh, Rashad, it's not your fault. It's not your fault. Never said it was. But I, will not, I refuse to be the one who's hindering you because you think that since I go out and do work and since you technically pay my salary, that that's you going out and doing the work. It's not. You don't pay me to go out and do the work. You pay me to equip you to do the work. I do the work as a part of my responsibility as a Christian. You, you're, you're giving an offering that pays my salary is to equip you as a pastor and be an example for you as a pastor. But what I do outside of these walls has nothing to do with what you pay me for. 
That's, that's my response. If you didn't pay me and I worked a regular job like many of you, guess what I would be doing? The same thing I do right now. So you don't pay me to go out there and do it for you. You pay me to equip you, be an example for you to follow only as I follow Christ. You got to start asking yourself, is that really what you want? Because if, if it's not, then what you're doing is you're actually paying somebody to entertain you. You're paying a teacher. You're paying a lecturer. You're paying all these other things, but you're not paying a pastor because you don't want to be equipped. You don't actually want to be challenged to do anything. And once somebody starts challenging you, you jump to another church. That can't happen here if you want to be a part of Church on the Rock. It, since, we, since we've gotten here, like, it, this is what it's been. Like, it's been challenging for all of us who've been here for the last five years. It's been extremely challenging. Some of y'all challenged right now because we started at 1050, right? I mean, be real. Like, right? Like, somebody, oh, I, oh, I'm struggling through this one, guy. Hey, Amen. I, I, yeah, get over it. All right. So, <laughs> so, now, all of that to say, when you're learning about the but how, right? We have the but now. So, how do we get right with God? Well, now that has been revealed through Christ Jesus. Amen. That's the but now we celebrate and all that. But now we say, but how? So how does it actually work? Well, first it works through God's deliverance. Go to the scripture for me. It says, what then? This is verse 9. Are we better than they? Not at all. For we have already charged that both the Jews and the Greeks, the ones inside the garage, the ones outside the garage. So when people think they're better, right? Oh, we're better because we go to church on the rock. No, you're not. You're no better than the people outside. All people are under. This, remember, this word is a slave term, right? And I know people don't want to talk about slavery right now, but biblically, this word is a slave term. You are under. You're in captivity. You are in bondage under sin. All. That word all before it means Black, white, Republican, whatever it is, right, all are under sin. So when we get to the verses that we're in this week, go ahead, next slide. When we get to the verses we're in this week, it says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, the weight of God, that's supposed to equal out. We did that last week. It says, being justified or being made right. So here it is, being justified as a gift by his grace through the redemption, which is in Christ Jesus. So the but how? Well, first of all, it's a gift, Right? By his grace. We talked about that last week. And think about this, right? Like, when you think of a gift, you see, you see how crazy, what kind of kids we got in here? All right. You see how crazy the theology can get when you, um, when you equate Santa Claus to Jesus? You know, without destroying anything, when, when you equate Santa Claus to Jesus, you say, he's making a list, he's checking it twice, going to find out who's naughty or nice. And so the kids say, well, I have to be really good all year long so Santa Claus can give me a gift. That's not a gift. That's earning something. You have to earn your gifts from Santa Claus by that theology. You see how quickly that can jump into salvation and how unequal that is? Like, you can't, we just told you, you cannot earn this gift. That's what makes it a gift. So with Santa Claus... You got to do a whole lot of right, and he checks it twice. And if you do, if you do wrong, you get coal in your stocking, which I think my mom actually played a trick and did that one day. And I was like, oh, what did Santa do? She's like, honey, Santa didn't do it. That was mama. That was mama, okay? Santa didn't do that one. Santa got you the gifts over here, right? But, but think about how that theology will work. Like, if I don't do good, then I won't get gifts. And then think of how deep that goes. What happens when there's not a lot of gifts? Was it because of what I did? Did I not do enough? 
But this is how a lot of religions across the world function. Like, I don't know if I said enough prayers facing the right way to get the gift of heaven. I don't know if I've read whatever my religious doctrine is enough or memorized enough scriptures or attended enough church services or whatever to get this gift of heaven, this gift of salvation. You see how opposite that is from the gift given to us by God of justification being made right in his eyes. You cannot earn your, you cannot earn his righteousness. You, you can't do anything to reach up and grab it and say, it's mine because I was the fastest or the strongest or the smartest. You cannot do it. And I know that that puts you in a trap of thinking, well, that means people get off and everybody gets away with it. We're about to get to that, right? But I want to keep it very simple. The redemption, which is you being, pay, like the, the ransom for you being under uh, sin, under, ah, thank you. I didn't even know I, put, I forgot I did that. Thank you, Sean. You're, you're great. So redemption is to pay a ransom and release from captivity. Remember, we said in verse 9, you are under the captivity of sin. You are in slavery to sin, in a sense. Sin owns you, in a sense. And, and God redeems you, redemption through Jesus Christ. Uh, when we were talking in our 8 a.m., uh, Jeff brought up, like, having a coupon that's like 50 cents off or something, right? And when you go to redeem it, it wasn't your, it was given to you, right? It's a gift. It comes in the mail or whatever. And when you redeem it, it's like money that was never yours to begin with, and you're redeeming it. So you're re- the ransom for your life, the, what it costs for you is in Jesus Christ. It's not in church attendance. It's not in church membership. It's not in your baptism. It's not in all these other things. And those things are important. But they should be birthed out of you being redeemed. What we tend to do is we get real legalistic in that. We start looking at people and saying they're not redeemed because of outward things that we think they should be doing to prove that they are redeemed. Don't get me wrong. There's a lot of things that should be birthed out of you possessing the Holy Spirit. It's what we call the fruit of the Spirit. But be very careful not to act as if redemption is through anything but Jesus Christ. Anything but Jesus Christ. And I keep touching on this. Like, it's, it, you, we attach so much to Christ. This is what Galatians is about. In Galatians, people were attaching, it was Christ and circumcision. Well, remove circumcision and add anything that you look down on somebody for. Oh, they ain't been here in six months. They can't be redeemed. Why? Is it Christ and church attendance? No, it's not. No, it's not. Y'all can come on in. Y'all won't stay out there. You ain't got to be out there with them Gentiles. No, I'm just playing. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry. Long story. Long story. <laughs> and, so, and so redemption is to pay. It's to, it's to pay a ransom and release from captivity. That is in that ransom that was paid, that's in Jesus Christ. This is the how. This is the, but how? But how are we made right with God? Well, you were redeemed in Jesus Christ for one. Go to my next uh, slide there. The next one is God's display. So we go to the next verses here. We got, we got through the redemption part, but the next verse is here. Uh, that's Sean, all right. <laughs> Whom God displayed publicly as a propitiation in his blood through faith. So he says the redemption is through Christ Jesus whom God displayed, so he made a display, like, you know, like put forth, put it out there for everybody to be seen, publicly as a propitiation in his blood 
through faith. So let's deal with that word propitiation, right? Um, propitiation is the satisfaction of God's anger and wrath. And this is a good one. Like, we might land here, but I'm trying to get through the rest of the chapter. Um, in, in today's society, and, you know, we don't tiptoe, but we don't snipe. This is a non-sniping but not tiptoeing moment, right? People are mad. People are angry, right? Now, um, somebody, if your spouse cheats on you or whatnot, um, if somebody betrays you or anything like that, you get angry. And if they apologize to you, you have the right in your mind to say, that's not enough. You cheated on me. You can't just say I'm sorry, right? Like, you, there's got to be more. Or you betrayed me. You talked about me. You did this. There's, there's got to be more. That's not enough. My wrath is not appeased. My anger is not satisfied. I was DJing last night. Y'all know the song, um, I can't get no, somebody going to sing with me? Satisfied. <laughs> and I tried. And I tried. Who, who gonna do it? So who do who did? Oh, who's that? Asher, you better sing, boy. <laughs> Y'all didn't hear the oh? Do it again. Yeah, you like I, I like that. All the time, get him up there, right? So, but but you hear that? I tried and I tried and I tried and I can't get no satisfaction, right? So first, let me deal with the text, okay? God displayed Christ publicly as the saddest faction of his wrath in, his, in, in the blood of Christ through faith, right? So you believing in the sacrifice of Christ to be sufficient, the blood of Christ, the death of Christ to be sufficient for the satisfaction of the wrath and the anger of God that you deserve. That's what propitiation means, okay? Now, now we got to address some stuff in the community, in the church, in the world. What you have is humanity, fallen humanity, that legit, honestly believes that they have righteous anger. You know how Christians say anytime that they're mad is righteous anger, right? Like, I know I shouldn't be mad, but this is righteous anger. And you're like, no, it's not. <laughs> but what happens is this. You have a society that is upset. You have people over here who are like, hey, y'all saw Breonna Taylor. You saw the charges that were or were not given. You saw that they tried to pay money, and I'm not satisfied with that. I'm not satisfied with that result. I still believe there was injustice. I still believe there's things that need to be done that have not happened. But then you come down here, and there's people who are legit like, hey, I had family members who lost their lives for this flag. I'm not satisfied with people kneeling or satisfied with people not standing or any of that. People aren't satisfied. I'm not satisfied with how people are treating the cops. I'm not satisfied with how people are treating black people. Like, all the way across the spectrum, you have humanity not satisfied, right? Not satisfied for what they're angry about, not satisfied for what they deserve needs to be a certain way. And what ends up happening is you start asking, what would satisfy? Because um, you come down here, and what if the cops get what... Many believe they deserve. What if the cops, I mean, what if the 12 million was 24 million? It's still a life that was lost that you can't get back. What satisfies the death of Breonna Taylor? What satisfies the death of Breonna Taylor? Nothing. And, and you can do your whole, she was a criminal, she was this, or she was with the, I don't care what you say. What satisfies the death of Breonna Taylor? Nothing. But then you come down here. What satisfies the death of the two cops that got shot in Louisville? What makes it right? 
an eye for an eye? What satisfies the pain that hurts when you lose a family member who's fighting for the country and people won't stand for the flag? But then you get certain things over here. You get $12 million. Somebody gets some kind of something. I don't know, and people are protesting, but people still aren't satisfied even with that $12 million. And over here on the first, ga- the first game of, of the NFL, the players stood for the anthem in solidarity against racism, and people still booed because they're still not satisfied even when they don't kneel. So where does the church come into this? Because I know many of you are on both of those edges right there. And so God says, hold on. I have real reason to be angry. I have real reason to be wrathful. Any offense that happened to Breonna Taylor actually happened to me. Any offense that happened to a police officer actually happened to me. Any offense that happens to you actually happens to me. It's me that they offend. Me. And I satisfy my anger, God, the creator. I satisfy my anger in the blood of Jesus Christ. So believers, because I don't expect the world to believe this, but believers, I'm looking at you and I'm confused on how you're not satisfied when you look at the blood of Jesus Christ. I, where, where, why is it the creator of the universe finds the satisfaction of his anger and his wrath in the blood of Jesus Christ. But those he created find no satisfaction in the blood of Jesus Christ. And and we don't have to go to the extremes of Breonna Taylor and Black Lives Matter and police officers and military vets. We can go to marriages. Some of you won't forgive each other in your marriages because you refuse to look at the blood of Jesus Christ as the satisfaction for the wrath and the anger. When God gave a certificate of divorce to those who commit adultery, like the right to get a divorce, remember the Bible says this is not what he wanted. He granted it because your hearts are hard, which means... You refuse to look at the cross and look at the blood of Jesus Christ and see that it wasn't just an offense to you. It was first an offense to God and to chalk it and and push through it because it makes you look different than the rest of the world. This is what holiness looks like. This is why, like, we, we have to find a way to get the little, we had them, but I think they went stale. My bad, Collins. Like, Collins gave us the little, um, communion cup thingies, right? And we had them, um. We need, to, we need to order some more. Like, we need to order some more because what happens in the Lord's Supper is this. The Bible says examine yourself. And when you're examining yourself, you think through the grudges. You think through the anger. You think through the people that you got something against. And then you remember what he did for you on the cross. Now, he did a gazillion things on the cross, but one of them was he satisfied the wrath of God against you. So when you are about to take the Lord's Supper, you should look at the blood and the body of Christ and be satisfied in that and forgive your brother or your sister or your wife or your coworker or that person that's screaming Black Lives Matter or that person that's screaming stand up for the flag. You should be able to forgive all of them, not based on them, 
but based on Jesus Christ and the satisfaction of what he did on the cross for you. Can, can you see the difference? Can you see how that changes us? And all that anger that you got built up inside of you for the things that are dividing the world and you're calling, you're calling the Republicans this and you're calling the Democrats that and all this stuff that happens every four years. We've been here before. I've been preaching at this church for five years. So this is my second go around through this. Like, I, we've done this before. Again, why? Because we, we stopped looking at Christ. And we start looking at ourselves. And we start looking at what we deserve and how it should be and if God was here, this is what he would choose. It's funny how great theologians, great theologians who know the Bible far better than anybody in this room, including myself, both think God would be on both sides of the spectrum. Hmm. And they have so many scriptures to back it all up. Well, maybe if we just looked at Jesus and just looked at the blood and the things that it took for God to forgive us, perhaps if we didn't place ourselves above God, because that's what you're doing. When you won't forgive Based on the blood of Christ, when you can't look at the cross and forgive somebody based on that, your standards are higher than God. The, who said, oh, uh, Asher, me and you, the only people in the room right now, right? Your standards are higher than God. Can, can you imagine that? Like, how cocky of you to say, I know the blood satisfies his wrath, but he just don't know what I'm going through. I know the blood satisfies his wrath, but that was my child. That was his child. Like, think about this. It, it, you, what you'll see is it, it humbles you. It breaks you if you let it. But it brings you closer to him and further away from anything that you're campaigning or standing with or whatever, right? And so, and so how? Well, through the display, the display of what the propitiation that was found in Jesus Christ through his blood. You have faith in the blood. But then next up, it's, it's God's, so the other but how is God's demonstration. Is that my next slide? It should be. I don't know. Tell me, where, where am I at, Sean? I'm just running now. Okay, God's demonstration. Yep, so God's demonstration. Going to the, the rest of the verse, um, it says, this was to, so that display publicly of Christ and, and the satisfaction of God's anger and wrath in the blood through faith, this was to demonstrate God's righteousness. It was to show you God's righteousness because in the forbearance of God, he, had, he passed over the sins previously committed for the demonstration, I say, of his righteousness at the present time so that we would be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. So he would be just and the justifier of the one who is in Jesus. That's a lot of stuff that you're like, what does that even mean, right? Okay, great. That's what we're here for. Go to the next slide for me, Sean. And so this is what I want you to see. In the, in the Old Testament, you may look back and say, hey, if Jesus didn't die until the New Testament, then what happened to all those people in the Old Testament, right? Like, that's a question that people ask. Like, so th does that mean, like, none of the people in the Old Testament are saved because Jesus didn't die until the New Testament? And so what it was saying in that, in that scripture in particular is that, you know, he displayed his righteousness in the death of Christ because um, in his righteousness, there was a forbearance or, or like a, a tolerance per se or a, not, not necessarily an ignoring, but he allowed, he allowed for all those back then. He didn't like completely let go of his wrath. And so in Psalm 78, 37 through 38, it says, for their heart, 
the Israelites, was not steadfast towards him, nor were they faithful in his covenant. But he, God, being compassionate, forgave their iniquity and did not destroy them. And often he restrained his anger and did not arouse all his wrath. Like this is looking at the forbearance of God. And so what we talked about was the, ro- the, wor- the word propitiation is the exact same word used in, in, the, in the Greek and the Hebrew text for the word mercy seat. And so if you know anything about the mercy seat, um, I'll watch my mouth to make sure I don't sweat on nobody. Well, spit on nobody, whatever. So <laughs> back here, we've done this before, but imagine this being the holy of the holies. In the Old Testament, there was a... In the temple, you had the holy of the holies, and only one person could go back there um, after they did all this stuff to get themselves together, then they would walk in there. There's a mercy seat where you would sprinkle blood for the propitiation of everybody's sins. But at some point, you say, well, why do they have to do that year after year after year after year? Well, that's because it wasn't satisfactory. It wasn't enough. It was a shadow of what was to come, being Christ, but it was never enough. And so in that little room where nobody could go in there, nothing was actually revealed and nothing was enough. And so now, he says, but now the righteousness, how to get right with God is actually revealed. The permanent answer, his name is Jesus Christ. This is what this is talking about. So that demonstration, it demonstrated his righteousness because God has to be perfect, he had, Jeff said he has to be holy, right? He has to be different than any and everything. And so what happens is this. How do I, how do I have a, a set standard and rule that cannot be broken and yet still cover and um, have compassion and love and all these things for the one who breaks it? So I'm going to try this. It may not work. Brittany, will you come up here? Which I don't know is I got a DJ later, so, so I ain't going to be home. <laughs> um, uh, Adam, come on. <laughs> yeah, look at that. That's all Adam get. So, so, all right. Yeah, you can stay right there. And Brittany's hating, so I got to make it quick. Okay. So this is, I, I learned this today because I had this paper cut illustration that didn't work. So um, <laughs> if I am... King Rashad of Church on the Rock, which is not true. Like, I don't even get, yeah, I'm not, okay? But if, if I was King Rashad of Church on the Rock, and I said anybody who um, drinks coffee in the sanctuary deserves death but lashes, by, death by lashes, how about that? Not eyelashes, but like lashes, right? <laughs> and so, and so, then my wife walks in with coffee, right? And everybody looks at me and says, if you're going to be just, then, uh, come here, then your wife, (laughs) then your wife deserves lashes by death. And this is what the accuser, (laughs) Adam, devil, is saying, right? So he steps up and he's like, hey, if you're going to be just, then she deserves lashes by death. And I have to be just or I'm no longer the king or I'm no longer God, I'm no longer faithful. So my response, so, so how do I love her 
and still be just? How do I love her, have compassion for her, and still make sure everything happens the way it's supposed to happen so I don't lose my credibility of being just? I cover her. And then you lash away. And I take the lashes for, this is probably not good. So, yeah, <laughs> this is probably not good. But <laughs> this you didn't think it through. I didn't think that part through. Seriously, I didn't think that part through. But but you but please like seriously and, I, and seriously anybody watching at home, I didn't think that part through. I really did not think that part through. I know, cause time out, time out, time out, time out. Cause in a time like this, that can be very insensitive, and I don't want to be insensitive. All right, so I'm sorry about that. I really am. But but what happens is, I cover my wife and say whatever she deserved, I will take, on her behalf. Therefore, the the punishment is still, you know. Um, whatever y'all said. The, the punishment still happens. It's just. And yet, I'm the justifier. I took it for her. And, I, and seriously, with everything going on, I, I apologize if that was very insensitive. I really do. Especially to you. Because I already know I'm in trouble for that one. So y'all give it up for them, man, right? <laughs> and so what happens is God demonstrates his perfect, his perfection, his holiness, because God is just and he's the justifier. He didn't stop the penalty of wrath or the penalty of sin from happening. He didn't stop it from happening. He instead provided the necessary perfect sacrifice for it to not only happen, but for it to happen to him. Can, can you see, can you see that? Can you feel that? Can you think about that yourself, right? Like, whoever's hurt you is Brittany, right? And you're Adam. And, and you're upset and you're hurt and you're broken over the things and the people and the, everything in this world that, that, that's hurt you. But Christ. Christ covered that person and says, hey, I, I know this person has hurt you, betrayed you. I know this person has done all these things to you. Take it to me. Give it to me. Can you imagine that if we actually did that? Can, can you imagine what, forget the world for right now. Can you imagine what would happen in this, however many people are here right now, if we actually walked out of this garage and actually lived that way, not just in how we, how we interact with one another, but how we interact with those who offend us on Facebook, how we interact with those who offend us in the workplace, how we interact with what we see on the news, can, can, what, what would it look like if all those things you saw Christ covering and was like, just give it to me. All that wrath, all that anger, it's mine. I died for that so that you didn't have to be under its rule. Now, here's the question. Why won't you go do that after today? Why won't you go? Because some of you, you're not. Some of you flat out are sitting here. You might even be teary-eyed, but you're not. You're going to walk out and you're going to hold on to whatever is ruling you right now in wrath and anger that Jesus says belongs to me. Well, so here's my question, why? Like, what, 
Because if Christ is not enough, then what is? Like, like what is? And, and I'm not saying that theologically. Mean, I'm being completely honest. When I think of all the things and people who have hurt me and broken me and all the situations and all the texts and emails and whatever else, when I think of all of it, I say, how is Christ not enough? And this is what you have to ask yourself when you're looking at this. And when you're dealing with the things of the world right now, you have to say, why is Christ not enough for me, but is enough for God? What, what, what in your theology is jacked up that makes you think you're higher than God or deserve a greater sacrifice than God? That doesn't mean we don't push for changes to bring kingdom down to the world, you know, to heaven on earth and all. Yes, it doesn't mean we don't operate in ways to do all of that. But in terms of the actual anger and wrath in which people are trying to do it, where do believers get off thinking that they're greater than God? I don't understand that part. And this is part of the but how. But how am I made right with God? Well, because everything that was wrong about you, he placed on Christ. That's how. That's the how. He justified you. He made you right. How? By taking the punishment you deserve and putting it on Christ, who was the satisfaction of his wrath for you. And that is the redemption coupon that you give to God when you get to heaven. You get to heaven. Jeff, help me with this. You get to heaven and you, you confess. I'm guilty as charged. But I got this coupon that says it could be redeemed. It's the blood of Christ. And you, and you hand it in, and he looks, and he sees his son. He sees the satisfaction of his wrath, the satisfaction of his, his, of, of his anger, and, and you are no longer condemned because of what Jesus did. That's the demonstration, and that is why God is just, and God is the justifier. So next up, next slide. All sins will be paid for. They're either paid by the sinner or they're paid by the Savior. All sins will be paid for. All of them. There is not one sin that will not be paid for. It will either be paid for by the sinner, eternal damnation, hell. All those words you don't want to hear on a Sunday, listen to them. Because if, if you don't believe in Jesus, there is the payment. There is the, you're not allowing him to pay for you, so you pay. And it's still insufficient. Or the Savior. All sins are going to be paid for. Your sins, my sins. It's a, the, 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 the choice you're really making this morning or that you've already made or that you will make is who's paying? Who's paying? You or the Savior? That's really, somebody like, I think it was like 3 o'clock this morning I wrote that. <laughs> so I forgot it was in the slides. I was waiting on my next slide, actually. That's powerful right there. Like, for real, that's God because that's definitely not me. I've never seen it that way. Keep going. Keep going. And so here's the but wow. So we had the but um, now, right? We had the but now, everything's been revealed. And then we had, well, okay, we got it. Redemption, you know, we can be saved through Christ. Great. But how are we saved through Christ? And we just walked through that, Right? What he displayed, what he demonstrated, the propitiation or the satisfaction of his wrath and how he paid the price. So now there's this, there's this but wow moment, 
right? Because the next text, the next part of the text, it, you, you start asking these questions, it, God's doing is your next point. So if you're doing my deeds, I'm sorry, deliverance, display, demonstration, and now God's doing. Okay, here's the last one. This is the last one. God's doing. So it says, where then is boasting? Because this is like, if we're Jews and we're Christians. and this, So where, where's the boasting is the next question that you would ask. Like, everything you're telling me has nothing to do with me. It's, it's God, 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 through Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Where, where do I get to boast? Where do I get to look at people in the world and say, ha, ha? You know what I mean? Like, I'm better than you, right? Like, where do I get to actually look down on people? I mean, where do I get to side-eye people when they walk into the doors like, hmm, somebody decided to come get holy, hmm? Like, when do I get to do that? You don't. Ever. Like, Y'all know that song? Never, ever, 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 right? Like, like, never. Like, you never, ever, ever get to boast because it has nothing to do with you. I know you think you saved yourself. Nope. And on the flip side, I know you think that you shared the gospel in such this epic way. Oh, man, the sky split, and I called on the heavens, and I said, be saved, mama. Nah, man. Nope. There is no boasting. It is excluded. It is denied. Because it's God's doing. By what kind of law? Of works? Nope. By law of faith. Because you can't work your way to heaven. It's faith. So for we maintain that a man is what? Is made right with God, justified by faith apart from the works of the law. It doesn't change. He's like, we're maintaining this. We're not budging from this. I don't care how much Bible you know. This is the basics. And this is why I say stop letting whatever you see on YouTube and Facebook and even up here, stop letting preachers and pastors make you think you're not equipped enough to share the gospel I've seen children, children, six, seven, eight years old, share the gospel, basically saying you can't earn it, God had to do it, all you got to do is believe in it. Start spending time with people. The more you spend time with people, the more you'll find, you'll find a way to talk to them specifically about the gospel. Some people like football. You can do it through football. Some people like shooting guns. You can do it through shooting guns. Some people like, like, you just keep going. Like, what do you like? What do you, some people like cutting hair. Some people like... I don't, Planet Fitness, some people are like, I'm just, <laughs> like, you can share the, it's, it's so profound, you can share it through anything and everywhere at any time. Keep going, let's, let's wrap this up. And so it, it says, or is God the God of the Jews only? Is he not the God of Gentiles also? Yes, of Gentiles, since indeed God who will justify the circumcised by faith and the, and the uncircumcised through faith is one. So this just goes back to this is for all. It doesn't matter if you're Jew or Gentile. It doesn't matter if you're circumcised or uncircumcised. Um, and once again, that's the context of them. But also, like, look at this. God, please remember this. The same God that you serve on your end of the spectrum of all the stuff we just talked about and think is only for you, you know he's also the God of the one down here. And if you're a Christian, the same God you serve is a God of the non-believer too. Like, do you, do you realize that? And here goes one better. Do you realize that all those people you hate and that you're saying all the derogatory stuff about and that you want to get back at and all that, you do realize they are made in God's image? 
They are actually image bearers of God. I don't care how far away from God they are, they were still created in the image of God. So when you sin against them, you sin against. See how that works? See how that works? And y'all sitting here, black people this, white people that, and all, all those people are image bearers of God. All of them. All, including the one who, who did wrong to this, did wrong to that, including the one that got locked up, didn't get locked up, all that stuff. And I know this is uncomfortable, but if you don't hear it, you're just going to keep doing what you've been doing this whole time. They're all, President Trump, guess what? Made in the image of God. Joe Biden, guess what? Made in the image of God. You, you see where I'm going with this? So to tear down either one of them is to tear down God. I call out sin when I call out sin. Y'all know I do. But to tear down somebody is to tear down an image bearer of God. When you do this to the least of them, you did it to me. This is Bible. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just telling you what the Bible says. This is not my opinion. This is Bible. Y'all feel me? And so, so let's just keep going. We're going to finish it up right here. We're going to finish it up. It says, so do we then nullify the law through faith? He says, may it never be. On the contrary, we establish the law through faith. Is she leaving? Because I'm going to slow down if she is. Okay. I'm going to slow down. All right. So <laughs> that was awkward. I'm sorry. <laughs> so do we then nullify the law? So the question is, okay, if it's all about faith, then do we make the law, like, pointless? Is the law pointless? Well, here's the beauty of the, the Bible, right? Everything in the Old Testament actually points to Jesus. And everything in the Old Testament is actually fulfilled in Jesus. So actually, when you believe in Jesus Christ, when you place faith in Jesus Christ, you actually fulfill the law because he fulfilled the law for you. If, read Matthew. It's my wife's favorite gospel. What you'll notice when you read Matthew is that it is a Jew writing to the Jews about the king of the Jews. So you see a lot of um, text where it says, and this happened to fulfill the prophecy, blah, 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 blah. And this happened to fulfill what was said and blah, 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 blah. And it all points back to the Old Testament. Read Ro Romans has like, I'm almost sure it's like 60 quotations of the Old Testament in its text because they didn't have the other New Testament scriptures, they had the Old Testament. So he's actually showing you from the Old Testament how it was fulfilled in Christ and how since you can't keep the Old Testament perfectly in its 613 manifestations, Jesus did it. And so you keep it when you redeem the coupon that said he did it for you, right? My daughter just took her SAT on Saturday. Imagine Jesus taking a perfect SAT, Right? And going up to the teacher said, that one's perfect. You ain't even got to grade it. And then looking at Genesis and saying, you can have this perfect score if you just accept the offer. Like, who would say no to that? What was, don't they go to like 1600 or something? Like, perfect is like a 1600 or something like that. Like, who would say, nah, I'll take my 1599 because I did it. And 1599 in terms of the kingdom is failure. <laughs> right? It's failure. <laughs> so, we actually fulfill the law through faith in Jesus because he fulfilled the law. He fulfilled it in both ways. He fulfilled it by living it out perfectly, but he also paid the perfect payment <laughs> that fulfills our part of failing it as well. And, and it's in that that we're asking you to have faith. So as we prepare to sing Oceans and the worship team comes on up, 
That was perfect timing. <laughs> and Tyler's going to sit because she's like, he ain't done yet. I'm done. I'm done. And as we prepared for uh, Katie's baptism, um, I want you to just, there's a lot that was in there. So if you didn't take notes, please go listen to the podcast again. Because remember, this is not for you to get smart or just for you to say that you went to church. This is, this is to change something in your life. The only thing that's really hit me today, I've been studying this throughout the week, but today specifically, and I think you guys saw how passionate I got about it, it's the forgiveness part. Um, I've had a lot of anger in my heart about a lot of people, about a lot of topics, about a lot of things going on in the world. I've had a lot of anger in my heart. I've been very confused on how to deal with it biblically. I've been very confused to the point that I feel like I've even muzzled myself, suppressed my voice because I'm scared that I'm going to speak in anger or speak in wrath and offend when it's unnecessary and all of this. And I haven't had any answer on what to do with that until today. I was in the 8 a.m. service trying to explain propitiation, and it hit me in that 8 a.m. that this is what God said satisfied his anger. And the, the answers I've been looking for this entire time were right there in front of me in the blood of Jesus. So you can leave out of here and do what you want to do. I'm not checking your Facebook. I'm not asking people about you. But God is. And you're accountable for what you heard this morning. I can't make you do anything. I'm responsible for the information I provide. Your response to this information is on you. I choose to stop hating, to stop tearing people down, and to start looking at the blood of Jesus more often in my life. I pray you would do the same. Please stand. You call me out upon the waters, the great unknown, what feet may fail. And there I find you in the mystery, in oceans deep, my faith will stand. abounds in deepest waters your sovereign hand will be my guide where feet may 
may fail and fear surrounds me, you've never failed and you won't start now. And I will call upon your name and keep my eyes above the waves when oceans rise. My soul will rest in your embrace, for I am yours, and you are mine. taking the time to listen to this podcast. If you would like to learn more about our church, please visit our website at www.churchontherockbb.com.